Spread Nation continues now on the SportsMap Radio Network. Here's Fred Fowler and Greg Frank. All right, let's go back out to the Progressive Guest Line. Progressive Insurance, what do your home and auto have in common? They're yours, and Progressive protects them both. Bundle today at Progressive.com. We bring on our college football buddy every Wednesday, Taylor McCarg from Gallery Sports and the ESPN Plus caller commentator, kind enough to join us again on another hump day Wednesday. Taylor, thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing? Good, guys. How are y'all doing? Yeah, doing pretty well. And let's just jump right into the playoff talk with the uh, committee putting its first rankings release out yesterday. And obviously a lot of conversation about TCU at number seven. And you look at those big brands in Clemson and Michigan at numbers four and five and Alabama, obviously, at six. So... I think it's easy to see why the conversation immediately shifts to, is there a name-brand bias with these rankings, right? I think there certainly is with Clemson. I think, to me, out of everything in that uh, in, the, in the first rankings, Clemson absolutely does not deserve to be in the top four right now, uh, just given the struggles that they've had against a couple teams. Uh, specifically, I think about DJ's struggles against Syracuse recently, and their their quarterback being benched uh, behind them. I would have had Michigan ahead of them, and I certainly would have had TCU ahead of Clemson. The good news for TCU is it, it's really simple. If they win out as an undefeated Big Twelve champion, they're going to get in the college football playoff. If they don't, the Big Twelve is likely left out again, and it's setting up yet again for a, a season where, especially if it's Alabama that were to run the table from here on out you likely end up with two SEC teams in the play, in the college football playoff. Now, there's some scenarios where that might not happen. It, the, the easiest would be that the winner of Georgia-Tennessee is a blowout win. Then that team, if they were to beat Alabama, Alabama then has two losses, then you may just end up with one SEC team. But for TCU and for Big 12 fans, very simple right now. Don't worry about it. You're seven right now. If they continue to win, they'll continue to climb. Taylor, uh, one of the things that I, I, I find interesting that they do with these rankings is, is kind of what they do at the bottom so that you can kind of justify that, oh, they've got wins over top you know, top 25 teams, and that's something they talked about yesterday. And so like, they got Texas in there at 24, so that should be a good win for TCU, right? Well, you're exactly right. It's all the way up. You're talking about the bottom, but even LSU. Yeah. That shocked me that LSU comes in at 10 where all of a sudden – I don't want to, you know, go full tin hat conspiracy theory on you already, but now we have SEC primetime LSU and Alabama, two top ten teams. Where is LSU the number ten team in the country? Probably not. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Towards the bottom, I mean, you have you know Oregon State. Really, do they deserve to be a top twenty-five team? Maybe not, but that benefits USC because now they have a top twenty-five win under their belt. So, again, the the. The committee does this where the first rankings come out, and every year there's a couple head-scratchers where you're like, what in the world yeah. is, frankly, LSU is the one that jumped out to me. That I, That is not a top-ten team, and that's going to benefit Alabama if they get a win over them this weekend. So is that intentional on the committee's part to just get spark reaction? I don't know that it is outright intentional, but I do think – there is no way of getting around it. There, there is an SEC bias that, that some of it is just, uh, I think, historic tendencies that the the committee falls back on, where the SECs performed well in the Final Four when they when SEC teams end up getting in the playoff, 
and I think SEC teams are given the benefit of the doubt, where LSU is two spots ahead of UCLA right now, and I don't think that's accurate. I think UCLA is a better football team than LSU, but UCLA didn't have a great out-of-conference, and they've had the one loss, and so you see LSU two spots up ahead of them. I don't think that's that's accurate. Um, what this also does is kind of what we were talking about with LSU and Alabama, is as the season goes along, it props up. It's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where SEC teams then can say, well, look at all these top 25 wins we have against teams that may or may not have deserved their ranking to begin with. Well, and it helps Alabama too, right? Because Alabama beats LSU. They beat Mississippi, who's 11. And suddenly with that one loss, you know, you're, you're looking at, okay, well, look, they beat a top 10 team and a top 11 team. Yeah, and to be clear, if Alabama wins out from here on out, including the SEC championship, they're in. And so then you're, you're looking at that is the easiest scenario where two SEC teams get in, where if Tennessee or Georgia arrives at the, the SEC championship undefeated, they lose close to Alabama. Almost certainly both of those teams get in. And you could even make a case, if Clemson struggles down the stretch, if you really want to see people's heads spin, there is a world where if Clemson struggles down the stretch and they win an ugly game close in the ACC championship, even if they're undefeated, it would not be out of the realm of possibility that the loser of the SEC championship still goes in over that Clemson team. Taylor McCarg, our guest. So, uh, looking ahead to the weekend, uh, what what games stand out to you? Last week was kind of... Uh, the, the, the impressive thing, obviously, was what Tennessee did to Kentucky, and now we got that we got Tennessee Georgia. How do you see that one going? It's a fascinating game to me because this will be another a test for Tennessee to see does that offense travel and what do they look like on the road. The SEC, the slate this weekend is phenomenal um, between LSU and Alabama, and then also Tennessee going to Georgia. Tennessee is the more talented team, and they have played consistently at a high level for a longer period of time than Georgia has this season. You think back to the middle of the season when Georgia had uh, really the the game that I think about is when they went on the road to to Missouri and really should have lost that game. That hasn't really happened in Tennessee's schedule. They look strong week in and week out. I like Tennessee in this game. Um, Would not shock me, though, if Georgia wins this close and Georgia turns this into a rock fight and just tries to limit possession for Tennessee. One of the things that impressed me last week was uh, Tennessee's offensive line kind of manhandled a good Kentucky defense. Obviously, Georgia's a different animal, but uh, that, that's got to bear. I mean, that, that's got to be bode well for them, right? Tennessee's run defense, I think, has has been impressive. The only times they've been somebody's gotten them, so to speak, is if you have some uh, consistency throwing the football, which we know Georgia specifically with the tight end position, they could stretch the field a little bit and create some challenges, but that's not it's not a remarkably explosive pass offense for Georgia. I think Tennessee it's a better defense than people are giving them credit for. And part of it is that defense is on the field a lot because Tennessee goes down and scores in forty five seconds and then your defense is back on the field. Um, LSU and Alabama, I think that is more interesting than maybe people are giving LSU credit for because they have been a different team at home than on the road. And their win over Ole Miss was a couple of weeks ago was really impressive to me. Alabama's a better team than Ole Miss is, but how LSU won that game and that they gave up the big lead early, and then I think it was a, a forty-two to three run. I thought that was uh, one of the more impressive wins across all of college football this season. 
Taylor, just one last thing for me on the uh, playoff and, and kind of where we're headed here. It, it does feel pretty easy to see an Alabama SEC champion, a one-loss Tennessee or Georgia, a Big Ten champion, and then Clemson as your playoff. And I think that's where I come down on, like, this is why I was always pro-expansion, because I know we've never seen an undefeated Power 5 conference champion left out of the playoff. But don't you think that's a real possibility for TCU here? Yeah, I think this is a great. This year specifically is a great catalyst for why the 12 team playoff would work and would be entertaining. And I'll throw a team out there that would probably end up in your top 12 by the end of the season. Nobody wants to play Kansas State right now. Sure. And that team plays well on the road. They would. I'm confident in saying if their quarterbacks had stayed healthy against TCU a couple of weeks ago, they probably win that game. Everything changed when their quarterbacks went down. That's a team that if this was an expanded playoff, I don't care who it is, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio State, none of those teams would want to have to play Kansas State in a playoff format. And that's what we've been robbed of to this point because the four-team playoff as we have it right now, there's going to be a couple teams that are left out this year that absolutely could make a run in the college football playoff. I even think about it would be nice to see, because I don't think Oregon's going to be given the benefit of the doubt. We talked about that last week. That loss early in the season, yeah. 49-3 to to Georgia, that's going to hang over their head the rest of the season. What happens if they were to get in in an expanded playoff? It would be interesting to be able to point back and say how much more improved are they now compared to that opening game of the season. So there are things that will happen down the line. There will be upsets whenever the, the college football playoff expands. There will also be, for the people that are the naysayers, there, yes, absolutely. There are going to be some some three and four seeds that manhandle the lower seeds in the early round. But there is also going to be some upsets. Somebody's going to get hot late in the year, and they're going to go on the road to a place like an Alabama or Ohio State and get a win. That the entertainment value of that, we just don't have that right now. And I think it is going to be good for the sport and good for college football in general whenever the expansion happens. Taylor, I want to switch gears and talk about something that happened earlier in the week in college football, and that's the dismissal of Brian Harson. Why do you think it didn't work out for him at Auburn? And, you know, what, who's your short list of candidates for what looks like the best job in the Power Five right now that's open? Yeah, at a higher level, this felt to me similar to what Matt Wells at Texas Tech felt like, where from day one, and I don't have some inside track on Auburn, but just as a, a, a fan of the sport and paying attention to the sport didn't it feel like it, it didn't just you didn't get it it didn't fit into the your deep south sec I and mean, he came from boise state and the culture fit from the very beginning i mean you had rumors of boosters trying to get him out of his contract halfway through his first season they didn't like the staff he put together i mean it was a laundry list of things and then you have the offseason speculation about all sorts of off the field stuff whether or not it even happened so from the very beginning, I felt like it was a it had gone sour, and the marriage was not going to pan out. The names that jump out that I think are interesting, obviously uh, Hugh Freeze, I think is interesting. I don't know if uh, a team in the SEC is ready to give him another shot, but nobody wants to talk about Liberty. But they're back in the top twenty-five, and the excuse was, "Okay, it's Malik Willis last year." Well, he's gone, and they're still seven and one. Um, Lane Kiffin. Uh, would be interesting to see, number one, if they actually would target Lane. And then number two, is that the job that Lane wants to leave Ole Miss for? In my opinion, I think Lane would hold out for maybe a, a job that's even another tranche up from Auburn. 
Um, I've seen Dan Mullen's name thrown around, and I'm not sure about that. But uh, it, it will be, I, in my opinion, I think Auburn goes back to their roots and gets somebody that has the deep south SEC ties that's more of a, for lack of a better phrase, a culture fit that understands what it is to be in the SEC. And that's really where I felt like it just missed on Brian Hartson for that, it, it, just that alone. Yeah, that that was a strange one. Have you have you heard all the uh, Deion Sanders speculation? It could absolutely happen, and somebody there is a group of five teams somewhere that's going to offer Deion. Um, my personal opinion, I think Deion would bring a lot of value to your brand, and you'd be able to recruit at a high level immediately. My question is still. Dion is winning and accomplishing these things at the FCS level because, frankly, he's recruiting at a level that no other FCS team can accomplish because they're not Dion. That works at the FCS level. That's not going to work at a Power 5 SEC school. Everybody's recruiting four and five stars. I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows, is he going to be able to coach and run a program at the SEC level to win at the level that Auburn wants? To me, if it's Auburn, I would wait for him to go take a job elsewhere, prove himself, and then try to get him. I think he's a job away for a place like Auburn. But as we've seen in the arms race of college football, nobody's patient with these things. Right. If the Auburn boosters get on board with this, they're going to go get him and pay a boatload of money. And to hell with the, okay, well, we'll get him after the next job. They're going to want him right now if they sell themselves on it. One last one. Uh, Notre Dame, any chance against Clemson this week? I think they absolutely have a chance because we've seen, you know, I thought the Notre Dame, the version of Notre Dame that went on the road to Syracuse looked like a totally different team than the one that lost at home to Stanford. The other thing is Clemson's quarterback situation is an issue. And when you have problems at the quarterback spot where you're either talking about a guy that you don't have a lot of faith in in DJ Uyunglele or a freshman backup, that for all the praise Kate Klubnick was given when he came in a couple of weeks ago against Syracuse, they ran inside zone for the most part. It wasn't like he was asked; to, he was tasked to throw the ball around a lot. So, when you have issues like that at the quarterback spot, you can lose to virtually anybody, and especially on the road in South Bend. This is probably the biggest game of the year for Notre Dame, and an opportunity for them to get a, a marquee win. It absolutely is a, a letdown spot and an opportunity for for Notre Dame to win this game. And it wouldn't totally shock me, not because even anything that Notre Dame would do, but more, it wouldn't surprise me if we look up and Clemson's total 10 points in the first half, and they're talking about a quarterback change. I mean, that could very easily happen for this Clemson team right now. Taylor, where are you at this weekend? What's on the docket? I'm headed to the biggest sporting event in Philadelphia this weekend, Temple <laughs> and South Florida. There's nothing else more important in Philadelphia than that game. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get a Temple game uh, as a, a Temple grad and a guy that grew up in the area. Yeah, Trust me, I agree. Most important thing going on right now, Temple and USF. Yeah, it's not the MLS Finals, it's not the World Series, it's not the Knicks versus the 76ers, it's South Florida coming to play uh, Temple. One of these teams is going to get their first conference win of the season. Yeah, that's right. It's got to be somebody. So there's our guest, Taylor McCarr, Gallery Sports, college football analyst, and uh, ESPN, ESPN Plus, color commentator every Wednesday here on the show. Taylor, thanks a lot for your time. Safe travels to Philly. Hope you get a cheesesteak. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll take a timeout and we'll come back and carry on after this. It's a Wednesday afternoon, Friday Nation Sports Map Radio.